Are You Data Smart? A weekly podcast on data security, information management, and all things related to the data you have, how to protect it, and maximize its value. I'm Jay Ward. And I'm Christian Ward. Today, we're going to talk about an Americanized American version or an American attempt at having GDPR. Uh, Jay, uh, what we're seeing in the news, people are starting to talk about this already. Uh, you wrote some excellent blog posts around uh, California that is starting this process. Um, it says that it's uh, sort of listed as CCPA on the website, um, but that sounds a lot like the Consumer Credit Protection Act. Um, so explain to me why their naming convention is so terrible and what is California doing? I have to imagine that there's Irish people involved in the name, or Irish Americans involved in the naming because, you know, we're just not very uh, creative, which is why my first name is James and your middle name is James. That's possible. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but it's just, there's not a lot to do. You know, you've got consumer and privacy, so you need C's and P's, and that's basically all you can do. Um, you know, California had uh, the has COPPA, and so does the federal government children's online protection and the California online protection. It's just, it's a big mess. But the, the, the primary point that's important here is that California is sort of wading into the regulation of data in a way that's a lot more robust than has been done in the past. And, you know, we've talked about this before. We've, we've said it's unlikely that there's going to be a federal data security or data protection law other than the Cloud Act, which Dear Lord, there's a lot to talk about there, but it's not exactly a data protection act. Um, but California has sort of waded in, as we predicted. You know, the states are going to get involved, and and that's what we're looking at. Um, not just California, as we'll talk about later. But and it, isn't it true also that I mean, the whole reason we even have online privacy notices. Uh, is because of the California law, but so didn't they start this whole thing? They did. It was a it was a, a ballot proposition um, a while back, um, Prop sixty five, I believe, and it was essentially said, look, if you're going to be doing business in California, um, uh, you need to have uh, these online privacy acts. And actually, Prop sixty five was um, the all those warning labels that you know this burrito you're about to enjoy has chemicals in it which have been proven to the state of California to cause cancer. Yeah, um, I, my my most recent one of that was I think a towel, like a beach towel, had this like whopping sticker on it, um, and I'm like. Guys, I'm at the Jersey Shore. I don't really. I'm literally on the other coast. But sure, why not? <laughs> I, I, no kidding. I had a bottle of water once that I picked up that said that, and I, you know, I sort of looked at it and I thought about it. And I was like, Nah, I'm pretty thirsty. You know, <laughs> what, what are you gonna do, California? You um, just described the, most people's reaction to every uh, cookie pr- privacy uh, pop-up window. Same, same, same <laughs> yeah, exact exactly. thing. By drinking like, this, you have consented to all the possible chemicals that we put into your water. And all of your privacy going down the drain with your chemicals, but awesome. Yeah, that's, so the, what's, new, that's so, the new smart bottles. They, they <laughs> tell you all about the, the drinker. So, so what is the, when, when we talk about California and what they're attempting to do, I read through a few articles about it, but you had sort of covered a couple of the, the big distinctions. Um, and naturally, I think GDPR, as we've dove into various portions of it, have some really great forward-looking concepts uh, that you know are trying to get at the heart of transparency and being consistent with a transparent message. How do you see the California law stacking up against this? And what do you think the likelihood is that we're, we're going to see California pass it? And then I definitely want to also talk about Vermont. Well, the, it's interesting because California has this sort of funky ballot proposition procedure and we've seen some pretty controversial things um, go on these ballots before um, 
And the way that it works is if you get enough signatures, it's just it goes before the people of California. They vote, and it's there's no enabling act. There's no th- no nothing. It's just the law, um, and it goes into effect day one. Um, which it doesn't that. require a governor's signature. It doesn't require any any sort of Zip. additional. Wow, that's amazing. It is California direct democracy, which is which is fascinating. Um, but it it also I don't know why I just did Christopher Walken there. It's a fascinating <laughs> attempt change. Um, you know, it's 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 an interesting way to deal with um, thorny issues that might have difficulty getting through in Sacramento because. You know, if you look at this ballot proposition, it's essentially self-funded by one guy, Alistair McTaggart, who's a very prominent and successful real estate developer in California. And then he has two other people involved with him, one of whom is a former CIA agent and the other one who worked at BlackRock. So, you know, figure out which one of them has had more power over the course of their career. But That's incredible. Uh, yeah. But um, on the other side... I feel like is- a Lifetime movie series coming on. I think that's probably right, um, or maybe an e-true Hollywood story. Um, but it, so what what happens is you get these groups that are lined up on the other side, and California election law is fascinating. You have to disclose who's on the other side, and it's Facebook, Microsoft, Apple, Google, Verizon. Um, AT&T, I think, was also... AT&T is in there, too. Now, Facebook backed out of opposing the act, even after they gave $200,000 to oppose it, because, you know, as we mentioned, you know, Facebook's got a couple other things going on. Um, They're putting on a clinic about how to drink a glass of water in front of Congress convincingly, Um, and then some other stuff about privacy. But there's, like, there's all of these big industry groups and companies that are opposed to the act. And the way that they're framing it is it's going to be bad for business. It's going to, p- going to put people out of work. And well, that's, that's the name of the pack, right? It's something like Protect California, protect California. Jobs. Yeah, right, I know. PAC. And just, it, it doesn't mention it. anything about privacy, anything about what's being done with data, but, but we want to save those jobs. I also, by the way, I, I, I'm trying to think of the last time where regulation uh, from a data or a privacy or a confidentiality stance actually uh, hurt jobs. Typically, it means you need an army of additional people to stay compliant. Um, so it's very common for that to happen. Well, so the the interesting thing here is that the reason why they're saying it's going to hurt jobs is that this law has, among other things, a statutory damages provision. And that's really powerful. So in California, um, under their um, False Advertising Act, the FAL, um, and and their consumer protection law, which are really really aggressive, they're sort of a, they're basically private attorney general's statutes. Um, you can cause just huge amounts of damages uh, in a lawsuit. You can you can you know impose massive damages on a company for you know relatively little amount of misconduct. And you know it's designed as all these laws are to police the outer boundaries of bad behavior. But if you look at the cases in California, the the primary case law, you know, is about a locksmith or, you know, they it's it's not necessarily just about, you know, the big tobacco companies or people, you know, who have massive economic impact. It's I don't like what this one company did. And so the idea is by framing this law as essentially a new variant on the false advertising law or the Consumer Protection Act, the opponents of the CCPA or the Cal CPA, whatever you want to call it, 
are saying, look, we've been down this road before. You know what this looks like. It looks like a lot of costly litigation that doesn't really get anything done. So it's it's an open question about whether or not that's going to be successful. They're pouring a lot of money into it. And even though it's on the ballot and is comfortably on the ballot for November, it's not a sure thing in my mind that it's going to pass. Yeah. And when I look at this, look, they have things like the right to know what data is collected, which obviously mirrors the GDPR, the right to know if the data is sold, which I I can't recall. Is that, I know GDPR, you're supposed to talk about who's processing data, but you have to actually disclose if it's sold because sold connotes a monetary benefit um, to, to the, to the seller. Is that something that GDPR also says? It does. Yeah. You need to, you need to identify the individuals or the organizations to whom the, the information has been transferred, like who has it, or once you're a recipient of the data, you have to disclose to the individual that, you know, Hey, we now have your data. So, right. But the reason why I bring that up is if it is specifically sold and it's not just transferred, Transfer is much more broad, right? Because there are data brokering arrangements. I've probably done 30 of these over the years where there is actually no monetary uh, transaction. Sharing, not selling. Sharing, not selling. Sharing is caring. So the whole thing to me is if if this is only when sold, it's actually very, very easy to go around that because there's um, an entire advertising network platform, obviously built upon um, private data. And so, if if so, when I use those, by the way, I'm bidding on ads. I'm bidding on ad sales, and I can uh, target audiences based on their data. I'm seeing that data, but it's not necessarily the same thing um, because I haven't paid for the data. I'm paying for the ads, so I, I think it's kind of easy for people not to adhere to that. Well, this is why lawyers have jobs, right? Because laws are not (laughs) written in a way that gives perfect explanation or perfect clarity as to what's covered. So um, you have to imagine that if this goes into place, if this law goes into effect, there's going to be a slew of litigation of cases about, you know, does this, is this covered? What kind of, you know, what constitutes an actual sale of the data? Um, You know, there's a lot that you would have to think about before you could, could answer it. And then there's other things you know, divergences from GDPR, like GDPR talks about legitimate interests. It's one of the hallmarks of processing under the regulation is you can process as long as you have a legitimate interest. California Act doesn't say anything about that. So does that mean we can assume that if you had a legitimate interest before you were processing, you can continue to? Or now is consent the only way that you can do it? It's not clear. So, you know, one of the issues with interest groups proposing um, legislation and having it go through the proposition or public referendum um, methodology of enactment is you don't necessarily have the same amount of, of expertise as to what are the sort of pitfalls, like where are we going to find a place where, oh, you know, we really should have been thinking about, you know, in your privacy policy, are you saying that we archive data or we back up data? And that's how long we're going to need to keep it for. That's like a classic example of an area in a privacy policy that now we're starting to have to think about because, well, if there's a deletion request, what do you do about it? In the same way, well, if it's just transferred and not sold under the CCPA, what does that mean? Right. We don't know. Yeah. And I think, you know, um, I want to, I'm going to switch gears here to, well, actually, before we get to Vermont, um, which I feel like it's sort of California, Vermont, each one was vying for, no, I've got this one. I'll jump in before you can get to, uh, to the vote in, in the fall. Yeah. There's definitely uh, like a hold my beer component to this. <laughs> 
<laughs> no, Vermont would be hold my double IPA. <laughs> um, so for this, uh, I think the, the 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 question that you had brought up was the damages, and and this is the reason why I think Cal- the California one might have difficulty passing on just a, an initial ballot is just the damages, as you outlined in your article, um, could just be staggering, and the real crux of it is that they don't have to have proven harm, right? So there's this this massively wide open thing, particularly when you consider it doesn't specifically outline, but I always like to point out to people that when we talk about records, records compromised or records where they're um, a person's record, you have to understand that a record actually consists of potentially dozens to hundreds to thousands of additional data points inside of the record, right? So I'm really curious, how does this line up? What does it look like in terms of the potential fine if someone has a million records breached and inside of that, there's 50 million fields that are individually known or knowable about a a person? What does the fine look like for something like that for a million under this California concept? Yeah, I mean, I think the way that the statute would be construed is essentially that it's a transactional issue. Like, if there is a breach with respect to this individual data subject, regardless of the extent to which they've been harmed, because the statute talks in terms of either a statutory minimum $1,000 fine or penalty, or the actual amount of the damages, if all 50 million fields about this data subject have been compromised and their social security number and their credit card number and all that stuff's been taken and somebody you know charged a first class flight to Bali, you get that. Um, but the reason why the, that's less interesting to me is this law sort of rejects some of the case law that's emerged in the past couple of years, especially after the Supreme Court's Spokio decision, it rejects this notion that you need to show an actual concrete harm caused mm. by the right. breach. And it says, look, if there was access, we're talking about a $1,000 minimum fine. And you might think, well, 1000 bucks, you know, that's that's not a lot if you're, you know, if Google had someone that was hacked. But if, you know, if Google was breached and there were 50 million records access, you know, that same 50 million field document is accessed. That's a $50 billion statutory fine. That, I mean, that's, that is an economy-stopping fine imposed by the state of California. And obviously, that's an extreme example, but lawyers love those because it makes us sound smart. So what do you do in the absence of clearly defined boundaries of what constitutes an actual harm versus merely speculative harm? There's a lot of issues that go into these things that typically we leave to courts. Um, but when the statute itself says, boom, you're entitled to, to $1,000, that, that discretion is taken away. Yeah, I, 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 I see that. I, I think, look, that's the part where I'm, I, I understand why um, there are PACs that are attacking this, that the, just literally the exhaust of a breach would be enough under this particular law to, you know, just completely um, attack the the business model of a lot of these these businesses. I, I want to jump over to uh, Vermont because I didn't even know this was like on the horizon. And uh, so we have Vermont uh, earlier, I think it was last week, started uh, or, or enacted a law um, regarding um, data brokers. Uh, and I find this funny. Obviously, I, I used to be at the helm of the data uh, for one large data broker uh, here in the United States. And um, this 
this this law is very interesting because they define data broker in, in in a way where this could be stretched in a whole number of different ways. So it says data broker means a business or unit or units of a business separately or together that knowingly collects and sells or licenses to third parties the brokered personal information of a consumer with whom the business does not have a direct relationship. That kind of almost means everyone if you really break it down because if i am gathering data in any way shape or form um, about my customers for example i'm gathering their email addresses um, i've got some cookies tracking them online um, i'm trying to retarget my products to them and then i join either a data co-op or i join some sort of uh, additional third-party data tool if i augment my data so let's say i sign a license to share with a data broker uh, my initial data so they can augment the file and send right. it back to me. I've shared all that data and there is a license. This license doesn't say one way or the other. It's a license in general. Um, and, and ultimately it could get very, very gamey very fast. Well, and you touched on something at the outset of what you were talking about, which is cookies, right? So you're, you're tracking the information of individuals with whom you don't have a direct relationship as long as that individual visited your website. So we've tracked their IP address. We've tracked whatever information we can glean from when they were on the website. What if, what, let's imagine the situation where someone logs into your website and they, they are in the process of creating account, an account. They've entered their name, their address. Now you have the IP address as well. And they've you know clicked on a couple of things that they think they're interested in. And then they don't create the account. Mm. At, at what point does all of that... Because there's still no direct relationship, right? That's right. Because they haven't consented to you getting their information. They put it in and they're like, ah, I'm going to back off. Well... <laughs> That counts. You're gonna see. You're gonna see the other side, though. People go, "Oh no, no, we have a relationship. They visited our site. We're we're and, we're and tight. We're we're like right. our relationship's solid." And that's yeah. and that's <laughs> the interesting thing because the EU has said, "No, no, no, that doesn't count. Merely visiting a website doesn't count." And California yeah. has said, "Well, if you're doing business in California, or if it can be sold, if a product can be sold or reach an individual in California, that counts." There's this very fascinating sort of fight between oh it's fascinating to lawyers and, and legal nerds like me it like between the jurisdictional notion of creating a relationship or what we call substantial contacts or direct contacts under european law under american law under state law all of these things are going to come together and you're going to see a real fight over what is the type of relationship that counts hmm yeah, I uh, my my sense is now this one is this already a bill? Did the Vermont one pass? Because I, I see the yeah. governor saying he might veto it um, because it so it puts a hundred dollar fee, I believe, hundred bucks on data brokers, and apparently he's saying that violates his pledge to not impose new costs on Vermonters, which is absolutely it's a hundred dollars. So I don't I'm not sure uh, if that's not a political uh, uh, wrangling, but the reality is. This is the second one. I thought California might be the first. This is definitely right akin to the same thing. It covers the same things, what data is gathered, what is shared. You know, I, I, I think we're going to see a ton of these. And it's, you know, a lot of times anything in this you know, arrangement, we're going to see a lot of blue states and then followed by red states. But in the end, you're going to see a lot of new laws that are taking some of the best pieces of GDPR. And we've been talking about this a lot, Jay. I think 
you know, to, to leave Europe and to say, you know, we don't have a lot of operations there. We're just going to pull out of Europe. Uh, we're going to shut down the sites. We're going to pull an LA Times. No more, no, no more LA Times in, throughout Europe. And Boy, at that, the same that just time, did not go well for the LA Times. I know, and, and they were called out. You know, leave it to the Wall Street Journal to just completely obliterate uh, any so of these funny. companies. Um, yeah, but well, yeah. The, I, the, I, the journals, the journals reporting was so gleeful. They're like, oh. Hmm. Well, guess who's not ready for the GDPR? Isn't that interesting? Yes. 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 Yeah. The the uh, journalistic integrity, um, uh, the snobbery around what are you, were you ready or not? I also loved all the tweets of you know this only shows how difficult this is. We're like you've had years to prepare, like years, and still you're complaining. Anyway, I think the point is. You're not going to pull out of California. It's the fifth largest economy in the world. It's literally its own country. So I, you, you can't run from this stuff anymore. Maybe Vermont. I could probably make an argument. I don't have to be in Vermont. But generally, I can't avoid California as any Dude, US I'm not business. giving up my chubby agree? hubby Ben & Jerry's. That's, I'd rather <laughs> comply and pay the $100. That's true. That's true. Yes, I agree. So I, I think uh, from from our perspective, from the data smart perspective, um, we're both in uh, vicious agreement. This is not going to stop. There will be a continued focus on providing not only the information about what is being gathered by sites, but allowing for control to go back to the consumer or the individual uh, and letting them have transparency into how data is used. And you're gonna see more and more of this. So while Vermont uh, is definitely trying to, you know, hold my beer uh, to California, California is gonna make a run at it this fall, um, but this, this is not uh, going to slow down. I think we're gonna see a lot more of this. Yeah, and don't anticipate anytime soon the federal government coming in because even though I think pretty clearly if it wanted to, it could occupy the field, um, which is a it's it's actually a legal term of art uh, about preemption. Like the federal government could come in and say, okay, this is mine now. Um, yes. States are not allowed to make laws um, that deviate from from our standards. I don't think that's likely. I really don't think that's hmm. likely. So we're going to see an interesting degree of variation among the states when it comes to how they approach these issues. And the question is, what impact is that going to have on the perception of businesses as to how business friendly the various states are? I mean, you, you know, we all know that Delaware um, you know, sort of took the lead on being the most corporate friendly state in terms of right. the law. Um, and then <laughs> and then other states like Florida and Nevada were like, well, we don't really want to come up with our own law. So we're just going to say, and I think in Nevada, this is literally the law. It says whatever Delaware says, we're going to be that or more <laughs> or, or more lenient. Um, you know, the question is, what if, if, you know, Nevada or Montana are like, eh, you do whatever you want with data here. You know, we're 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 open, and that's you know that's an interesting question because the states love to compete with each other. That's amazing. Yeah, I mean, if this becomes another lever as to why people should uh, you know leave their high tax region or high regulatory region to pursue their business interests elsewhere, uh, it's yet another thing that'll be debated uh, well outside the courtrooms, but also in the uh, the the political circles as well. So that's it for this episode of Are You Data Smart? Thank you for listening. And certainly, if your DPO isn't thinking of how they're going to deal with each of the individual states and their own laws on privacy, you better get cracking. Thank you. Thanks again. Thanks again.